Hi, my name's Minna, and you're listening to this week's episode of The Movies That Made Her But Not Me, the podcast where we talk about movies from different generational perspectives. The movie that we're talking about today is Super Bad. Wait, you changed your name to McLovin? McLovin? What kind of a stupid name is that, Fogel? What are you trying to be an Irish R&B singer? Oh, they let you pick any name you want when you get down there. And you landed on McLovin? Yeah, I was between that and Muhammad. Why the fuck would it be between that or Muhammad? Why don't you just pick a common name like a normal person? Muhammad is the most commonly used name on earth. Read a fucking book for once. Fogel, have you ever actually met anyone named Muhammad? Have you actually ever met anyone named McLovin? No, that's why you picked a dumb fucking name. Fuck you. Give me that. All right. You look like a future pedophile in this picture, number one. Number two, it doesn't even have a first name. It just says McLovin. What? One name? One name? Who are you, Seal? Fogel, this ID says you're 25 years old. Why wouldn't you just put 21, man? Seth, 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 listen up, ass face. Every day, hundreds of kids go into the liquor store with their fake IDs, and every single one says they're 21. How many 21-year-olds do you think there are in this town? It's called fucking strategy, all right? Let's stay calm, okay? Let's not lose our heads. No. It's, it's, it's a fine ID. It'll, it's gonna work. It's passable, okay? This, this isn't terrible. I mean, it's up to you, Fogel. This guy's either gonna think, here's another kid with a fake ID, or here's McLovin, the 25-year-old Hawaiian organ donor. Okay, so what's it gonna be? The movie is super bad. This 2007 buddy comedy film stars Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah. It tells the story of Seth and Evan and their one last final crazy night of high school before they head off to college. The year is 2007. Nancy Pelosi becomes the Speaker of the House. Barack Obama declares his candidacy for President of the United States. The Oscars are hosted by Ellen DeGeneres. The lottery sets its new high record with a jackpot of $370 million. Walt Disney's 47th feature film, Meet the Robinsons, is released. And Venus Williams win the women's singles at Wimbledon for the fourth time. Lauren and I actually have the very special honor of being joined by one of my closest friends from college, Jacob Cromwell, who is studying film and working in the film industry. And we are so excited to have him on this week's episode of The Movies That Made Her But Not Me to talk with us about Superbad because he is a Superbad fan. And Jacob and I had talked about Superbad recently. We had very different points of view on the film, what it means and what it was trying to say. And so I asked him if he would come on the podcast. We are so lucky to be joined by you today, Jacob. Thank you for having me. So my question is then, Jacob, tell me about the first time you saw Superbad. I can, but I don't, honestly, I was like one of those kids who like, I would just watch movies on TV and they would all blend together. Um, and so like, I would just sit in my room and watch movies on TV. I didn't really grow up close to a movie theater. So like, I would never go out. So I think I was like, maybe like 16 the first time I saw Superbad. And I thought it was the funniest movie to ever happened like i was losing my mind i was already a big seth rogan fan but i hadn't like seen super bad yet so i think i just watched it alone in a room by myself and laughed hysterically probably to the point i got a cramp in my rib lauren when's the first time you saw super bad well um uh, when it came out because you know i was seeing every movie that was part of my job um there's a couple of things I, re I remember uh the first time i saw it i remember being like ugh, you know it's not as Bad as Porky's and all of those, like, you know, we're not seeing women being dumped into garbage cans and stuff like that. But I thought, I loved the cast, I loved the relationship, and I was literally moved at the end and I cried. I also I'm cried. It. 
I also cried. Was this? So, I love you. It, it was so sweet. Okay, so that's how I remember it. The and first, then seeing oh, it sorry. again this time, you know, it was. Um, I liked it more. I understood it more. I still think there's a lot of anti-women, la la la, but yeah, I understood it more, and I think it's quite a good movie. Uh, I agree with you. So the first time I saw it, I also wept openly at the end. And the only reason that I saw it, well, I loved Booksmart. That was like my whole thing. I saw it like a million times in the theater. I absolutely was just crazy about it. And my boyfriend at the time, I was like 19 years old, and he was like, oh, you wouldn't like Superbad because it's like too manly for you and you couldn't handle it and all that. So I was like, well, I'm going to watch it and prove you wrong. Like, how dare you say there's a movie out there that I wouldn't like? Um, so I watched it and I didn't like it, <laughs> but I did cry at the end. Like I did not like it for a lot of the same things that you said. I felt like it was, well, I didn't think it was like woman Haiti, but I thought it was like really violent towards women because like, I thought the thesis of the movie was like, you have to get girls drunk to have sex with them. I found that well, to be that like kind of the at the core yeah, yeah. of the movie. Then... Uh-huh. And actually, the reason why I wanted to have Jacob on this episode is I remember we had, like, a very long conversation about this movie and how you interpreted it completely differently than how I interpreted it. Mm-hmm, you had, mm-hmm. like, a totally different POV, I assume, because you saw it as a 16-year-old boy and not a 19-year-old girl. And so I wanted to talk about how you saw the movie because I think when I watched it this time, I saw it more through your lens because I know that we talked a lot about, like, how this movie was about pressure put on young boys to act a certain way. And Uh when I saw it through that lens, I kind of understood what the movie was trying to do a little bit more, and I gave it more grace. But I I still had problems with it, for sure. Yeah, and not to give myself, like, too much credit, I definitely did not have a good reading of this film at 16. (laughs) Just just to be... Yeah, I just thought it was funny, and I was like... that. But then, as, like, I've matured and have kind of looked past it, I think it's a lot about, like, the fallacy of machismo, you know? Like, they think they have to act a certain way in order to get a girl, and the thesis maybe, like, can seem like that's what it's arguing, because Seth, Jonah Hill's character, Seth, he's saying, like, we can be the drunk mistake, we can be the drunk mistake, but once they get into the situation and they see the reality, it's like, that's not how this works. And so it's, like, a lot of kids who, like, grew up maybe watching films like Porky's or like Michael Douglas films and stuff and thought that men had to act a certain age in order to get girls realizing that that's a lie. My, my problem with that was is the movie never said that that was a lie. He gets the girl at the end. It does. It does a bit. I mean, I think it's, um, uh, uh, come on, Emma Stone who says, what? You don't, you don't need to be drunk. I don't need to be drunk. It has nothing to do with whether we hook up or not. So there was that kind of redeeming moment i have to say but he is sexually you know, harassing like, oh. her from minute one of the movie all the way until the end <laughs> and then she he, he's and then he faints on her and knocks her you know practically knocks her out so okay but and he wins to, he's he's victorious in what way because he gets the girl she's like let's go on a date and like buy and cover up together or whatever oh wait a minute you mean at the end of the movie yeah okay i said and jacob you will have different insight on this. I wrote down, she would never date him. But then I thought, no, 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 she's not dating him. She's getting him away from uh, Michael Sarah so her good friend can pursue that. Oh. That's what I think was going on. 
Yeah, I, so I I agree with that to some extent. I do think she does have an appeal to him. Um, oh, she because, does have an appeal to him, but I don't know how much how appeal. I'm sorry, like her. she is appealed by him um, because like there's enough like looks when like like whenever Seth knocks out of like harassing her basically and becomes sincere, there is like a draw between them. But yeah, she's also like buy me makeup and stuff like. It's clear Michael Sarah is the person who's about to enter a relationship at the end of it. Uh-huh, and, like, uh-huh. Seth isn't necessarily in that same case. But I do think that the character of Seth and, like, the lack of redemption with it is the thing that ages the most poorly in this film. Well, uh-huh. um, okay, like, one thing I found to be super moving to that point, and also to what you said, Lauren, was that at the end, because, like, like you said, Jacob, he's pushing the whole movie, like, we can be the mistake, we can be the drunk mistake, we can be the drunk mistake, like, let's just be there so that we can be the drunk mistake and be cool with that. And then at the end, he reveals what he actually meant by that, which, like, his fear that he was covering up with the drunk mistake, which is, he says, you wouldn't ever get with me if you were sober. Like, I'm not good enough, or I'm not cool enough, or I'm not, like, hot enough for you. And she's like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, that's not, that's not what this is about at all. But then he falls over and, like, knocks her out, and there's never, like, a realization of what he did was wrong, or, oh, I am good enough the way I am. It's just, like, she says that, and he falls over, which is supposed to be hilarious, and then they never address it again. Yeah, they probably couldn't figure out how to end the scene. No, I'm kidding. Um, so, a, right. a couple things that I think about that, though, is I also think this movie's, like, really much about not being able to communicate because Seth says all of these things. But then when Evan, like, points out that he has a condom, it's like, what are you talking about? Like, it gets too real for him Yeah, at that mm-hmm. moment. Um, yeah. So, I think it's, like, one of those things where it's just he's saying what he thinks sounds cool to his best friend. The person he wants him, like he wants to think is cool, um, mm-hmm. and it's like it's not like he does get the girl at the end, you know. It's just like life continues. They, just what? Life just continues at the end. They keep going in their opposite directions. I think the ending's supposed to symbolize my, I mean, Michael, Sarah, and Jonah Hill's characters separating because they're going to be separating for college, which is a major theme throughout this film. But it's not major. a major theme throughout the film. They oh, barely oh, talk about it. Well, it does represent, I mean, the, uh, that kid, uh, McLovin, he, I think he represents the wedge, phys- the physicalization of the, you know, what's dividing them and pushing them apart. So there is that kind of loosely throughout the movie. I was going to say, I think there's this pressure put on between the two of them, um, between Evan and Seth, about this potentially being like one of their final nights where they're able to do these things together. Yeah. You know, the clock is running out between them, so every night has to matter. This can't, even even aside from the girls, this can't be one of, like, just a regular night. It has to be special because they're going to be apart from each other very soon. But they don't want to have a special night together. They want to have sex with hot girls. See, like, that was my issue. Like, at the end, when they say, I love you and I miss you when you were away and I'm going to miss you. I can't believe you saved me. You saved me. I owe you so much. You cared. I love you. I love you, man. I love you.
I love you. I'm not even embarrassed to say it. I just, I, I love you. I'm not embarrassed. Love you. I love you. It's like, why don't we say that every day? Why can't we say it more often? I just love you. I just want to go to the rooftops and scream, I love my best friend, Evan. We should go up on my roof. For sure. That was what the movie was trying to say, right? Is that men should be more open with their feelings and men should communicate with each other because it's healthy and it's cathartic and that's how you make real relationships. Except the movie leading up to that wasn't telling us, oh, men should communicate with each other. It's that we should have sex with girls before we go to college. It wasn't really about their relationship as much as it was about them trying to do everything they could to make it to this party to have sex, right? Well, I mean, I thought that throughout the whole thing, it's it's kind of like what what Jacob was saying that. Uh, well, I thought it was touching what a what a boy says, what he means, what he thinks the other guy wants to hear. I think all that was going on throughout the whole movie. So, to to me, I I I I could I could see that the uh, the movement of the relationship and of that. You know, I mean, to me, that's what was going on. Yeah, I think that their actual intentions are very different than what they say throughout the entire film. You know, that's it, why boys are so lame. Yeah, it's all just a shield, you and know, it's all about. Like, just say it. <laughs> yeah, go on. yeah, if they could have just said to each other, like Michael Sarah's Evan likes Becca the entire movie, and she likes him, yet he has never been able to ask her out. Because he respects you know, her. It was so cute. But like it's it's like it's really there's like an anxiety about communicating when you're a guy. Like when I was younger, I had a really hard time telling girls I like them because like I was worried I would get hit back with like a no, I don't like you, and then everybody else would come into it. You know, there's like this anxiety around communicating, I think, especially at that age when like your world is so small. Okay, and, like, I I get on board with that part of the movie. Like, I remember when we talked about it before, like, that is kind of the way that I was watching it this time about, like, um, about, like, pressure, societal pressure on young boys and, like, what kind of men they have to be. But, like, where I think it kind of lost me was with Seth's character, or, sorry, Jonah Hill's character specifically. Like, I did not have a problem with Michael Sarah's growth or, like, what was going on with him. I thought he was in a great movie. It was, like, Jonah Hill's character <laughs> whose movie I did not like or feel like I was on board with at all. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's pretty gross, you know? Yeah, I think there's also a valid reading about how this movie is about how sometimes when you're in high school, your friends just suck. Because <laughs> Michael Sarah's just this incredibly sweet, genuine person throughout the film. And, like, his best friend's Jonah Hill, who, like, just sucks the entire film. Uh-huh. And so there's also that reading that I think is valid. Michael Sarah's character, I totally am on board with. Like, I see his growth and his struggles and, like, you know, he's trying to balance right and wrong with, like, also the pressure from his friends to be this cool guy and appease them. And I'm on board for all of that. It's, like, Jonah Hill's character that I don't really understand what the message of what he's going through is supposed to be. Well, I don't think he... I mean, he grew in the sense that he said, well, they were in their little sleeping bags on the floor, you know, I love you. I can just say it, I love you, you know? So that that was a big move for him, but no, I don't think he's like, well, I've learned how to treat women, and now I know I'm, you know, politically correct. I just think that he learned to say, you know, I love you, because 
the Evan character said, you're not going to hold me back, you know? I don't owe you anything. So, yeah, I think he grew in a certain way. Yeah, and I think he also has this, like, ability to know what people want to hear. So, like, when he apologizes to... um, I'm a Stones character's name, I'm forgetting. At the mall, it's Jules. like very sweet, but it, Jules, yeah. It's like sweet, but I'm not necessarily sure it's sincere. Whereas for like the way that like Michael Sarah talks to Becca, it's like painfully sincere. You know, everything yeah. about him is like painfully genuine. Like where he's talking about like the vomit just whizzing past him. <laughs> like he says it so awkwardly, but like it's it's accurate. Mm-hmm. I just also was wondering why Seth Rogen decided to name that character after himself. Well, the wild thing about this is because, I mean, Seth Rogen's whole monopoly that he has at this point, it's him and Evan Goldberg. No, I know. And so like, they, like, they started writing the movie when they were 13 together, right? So yeah, the characters are yeah. named after them. But why would you want to name the gross, terrible one after yourself? I'd be like, no, I want to be Michael Sarah's character. You be the you be the other one. Yeah. I didn't know they started writing it at 13. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, when Rogan would did like Freaks and Geeks, they would like write it over the phone together. It's like the other story about this writing of this. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's very cute. But... Yeah, I think it's it's funny that Seth Rogen shows that um, that character to be named after him, and then also the character that Seth Rogen decides to play in this movie. Right, it's also an interesting, interesting one. My most genuine laugh in the movie is when the liquor store that they're trying to buy alcohol with a fake ID with gets robbed, and then. McLovin gets like punched in the face and then they call the cops. He assaulted the customer, grabbed the cash, and ran out. So, how? How? how, Say when, height wise. I'm gonna start up here just tell me when. I'll start in the bottom. Whatever 5'10 is, he was 5'10. Ethnically, I mean, did what? um, I mean, was he, was he like uh, us or. A woman? No. Female? No, uh, no, no, no. I was, was saying, he like what? Uh, what? African? Af- was he African? African. African? No, he was American, and he was like you. He looked just like you. He was Jewish. Just Wait, like okay. you. Okay. An odd crowd for Jew. Yeah, I'm pretty docile. Okay, so we have an African Jew wearing a hoodie. No, you don't. No. no, that's not what I said. Is that what you heard me say? I said he looked like you. Do you look like an African Jew? No, I look like a cop. Yeah. Was he like us or like you? She says like a woman, a female. You know, I thought it was really funny. (laughs) Hater and Rogan are so good together in this film that like it's kind of a shame that Hater didn't end up making more comedic movies. Uh huh. Yeah, Hater wasn't really like he wasn't a huge part of the Apatow cohort. I mean, he was in Trainwreck, but that's like really it outside of this. There was also a really yeah. funny line. No one, no one's gotten a hand job in cargo shorts since Nam. That was pretty funny too. <laughs> I think my, one of my biggest laughs is just when McLovin walks into the liquor store and immediately spills the beer. I, I will say too, it's also as, as somebody when I was in high school, I would like buy beer. It's so clear, like these guys just have no idea how anything works. Like they present them with like a grocery store list of like multiple bottles to buy, and then they freak out on McLovin when he's like, "This seems like too much." 
for it's like a two hundred dollar order from the liquor store. <laughs> it seems a little bold. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it works, right? Until he gets punched in the face by an African Jew. Like it works. Yeah, that is fair. Uh, I wanna say I I I want to know how they decided this was going to be the plot line for the McLovin character. Because okay. they do have, like, a genuine A-plot. Like, a genuinely sincere A-plot. Even though, like, it does get a little tongue-tied in, like, bits and stuff. They have a nice A-plot about these guys. And then the B-plot is just McLovin and the cops out on the town. I was just mm-hmm. gonna say we should talk about McLovin. And I... We'll talk about this first, but I do have something that I wanted to say about him. But I was genuinely convinced that the cops thought he was 25 years old until the moment they said, we know you're not 25. They sat down with him on the couch or on the bed at the end. And I was like, do they seriously still think that he's 25 years old? And then they're like, listen, man, we know you're not 25. I'm like, you hit it so well. You tricked me. But, like, if he was actually 25, he would know that, like, I'm, I'm not going to hang out here. Like, I, I would just, he would just leave the situation, you know? What yeah. situation? Oh, the, like, the... Why would you spend the night hanging out with Bill Hader and Seth Rogen's corrupt cop? Like, the worst cops ever. They're, like, too stupid to actually be corrupt. <laughs> if you're, like, 25 and not, like, afraid that you can get arrested at any moment of this. I mean, I thought they seemed like a cool hang. Yeah, they breathalyzer, they shot up the car, I think they poured some gas on something at one time. Yeah, it was a good time. What did Seth Rogen say at the end when they do the donuts in the cop car? He's usually not this drunk when he does it, so it makes him more badass. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know. I don't know if, like, as, like, I'm 26 now, but, like, last year, I don't know if that's, like, the vibe I'm, like, looking to hang out with. Well, that's because you're 26 now, but if it was last year, you would have said yes. Gotcha. That seems like my five. Right, because you have oh, the different. you have hindsight now. Yeah. But at the time, it would have been really cool. Yeah. Listen. Yeah, it would have been a really great opportunity. But I, mean, <laughs> I live like right by a police station, um, so I should just go in and see if like anybody wants to hang out. Right. Do donuts. Yeah. Anybody want to like get get thirteen road beards? Thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's like, we should grab a couple of beers to go. Can I get 13 beers to go? <laughs> and then he puts all the beer into those two, like, uh, detergent containers. Like, Oh, that's, yes, that is one of my biggest questions about this. Is when the film ends, are we, like, 12 hours away for Seth getting arrested for a mass murder of... 17 year olds because he poisoned them with laundry detergent <laughs> yeah, i don't know <laughs> that's the sequel well i feel like i feel like there should be a warrant out for his arrest because when he hits jonah hill with his car he says this can't happen like this can't be happening again what are the odds so like he's definitely killed someone right <laughs> i don't even remember that line he says it like lightsaber battling yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he says it under his breath when he gets out of the car to go check on Jonah Hill. He says, this can't be happening again. What are the odds? And I'm like, oh, did he? What? <laughs> I thought, even every time I watch that, um, when McLovin flicks the cigarette, for some reason I feel like the concrete's going to catch on fire because there was exactly. just spilled alcohol. <laughs> it scares me every time. I also like the opening credits and the music. I thought that was great. They did have I mean, a really yes, the film. opening credits is phenomenal of this film. I agree. It really sets the tone of like what's going on here. 
Yeah, it's really it's good. Such a confidence. It's like you when you watch that. It's like they know they have something. You know, it's such a confidence start. Uh, that's true. <laughs> oh, so I wanted to say about McLovin. Something that I loved about his character was that he is rewarded for taking control of his sexual health, right? Because, like, <laughs> because, like, Michael Sarah's character tries to, and Jonah Hill is like, how dare you? Get rid of it. And so he's like, okay, I guess I don't need it then. But then McLovin is like, oh, hey, free condom and lube. I'll use it. And he is rewarded for uh-huh. being in charge of his and his partner's sexual health and like, being a good guy. <laughs> I thought that was really nice, and I didn't expect it from the movie, but it was nice that, like, the only person who, quote-unquote, has sex is, like, the person who was prepared for it. Yeah, and the least the least likely, I guess. Or, yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's the nice thing about McLovin. You know, he's a great guy and a generous lover. <laughs> <laughs> he, he doesn't just think about himself. He's it, always thinking also, of others. What? Yeah, it's also, like, one of those things where you watch it now, like, with the separation of the movie, and it's like, I get entirely why this guy was never able to shake this role. Because it's not even, like, it's a good acting performance, but, like, everything he does is perfect for the role of McLovin. Mm-hmm. Right. And then all the merchandising afterwards, you know, the t-shirts yeah. and stuff. Did he ever really work again? I don't, I've never, I don't know. Um, the other thing that I really know him from um, was he was in Neighbors, the, those Rogan, uh, Zac Efron films. Oh, oh. And then I think he had a CBS show a couple of years ago that, like, didn't really take off. If we're going to go go and talk about favorite lines, I want to point out the best sequence is after they hit... Um, after Jonah Hill gets hit by the car and they chase them, after Sarah gets away from Rogan, he's like, he's the fastest kid alive. He's a freak. (laughs) (laughs) That makes me laugh every time. It's just beer. Oh, give me a break. It's just beer. Oh, man up. All right, what happened? What'd you lose him? He's a freak. He's a fast kid alive. He's a fast kid alive. Fastest kid alive, my ass. Come on, what, what are we going to do? He's the fastest guy alive. I wrote that down, too. It's hysterical. <laughs> it's such a good bit to say about Michael Sarah in particular. <laughs> but also, when you see Michael run, he's just like a little robot running. The way he runs is so funny. It was, again, precious. And also, I love when Michael Sarah was trying to get drunk, and he looks in the mirror, and he makes a face, and he's, he's just so... And then when he's singing, and all the guys sing with him, I love that, too. It was almost like that Pee Wee Herman uh, song at the bar on Pee Wee's Great Adventure, Big Adventure. Do we appreciate Michael Sarah enough, like, as a society? No. Like, does that run that... Like, he is... My takeaway from re-watching it this time is just how incredible Michael Sarah is in this film. He really is. And like, in, like, so every they, film. But, like, mm-hmm. he follows this up with Juno. Like, Juno, which is, was such a huge hit. And then he has Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. But, yeah, when I watched, like, when I watched Barbie, I was like, Michael Sarah's 
like maybe this is not the greatest state for a man to say, but I was like, Michael Sarah is the best part of this film. I thought he was excellent in Barbie. I I think, and I agree with you, Jacob, when I was watching this movie, I also was just really Honestly, the reason why I was crying at the end was because of Michael Sarah's performance, not so much Jonah Hill's. No offense, Jonah yeah. Hill. I was very moved by his performance, as I am in all things. And I know we were talking the other day, Jacob, when we were talking about this movie, about like what a gifted comedian he is and how he balances like the being a straight man with also being the comedic role. And he does mm-hmm. both like so seamlessly. It's like this mm-hmm. perfect balance where you don't even realize when he's dipping in from one into the other and it's just like it's so unique and i think it's what makes him such a special actor and also comedian i wish he was in more stuff it's really hard and very rare yeah he has like so much going on under the surface with his character we're like he does these lines where he just dies out mid-sentence because he loses confidence in what he's saying like that whole singing sequence can be like a great example of this where like he is going through the motions and saying the words, but you can see him struggling with his confidence as he is saying it. Hi. Who is that guy? Don't know. Who's this guy? Hey, fellas. Who's Hi. this guy? Who's this guy? Everyone. Who are you? I'm nobody. No, 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 no. I know you. I know you. He was at that party with me, the one I was telling you about. Well, no. Who is no. it? <laughs> Remember? He, he's Jimmy's brother, the guy, the singer. He's no. the guy with the beautiful voice I was what telling you about. No, 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 no. His brother. Me, oh my God! Sing for us, sing. Oh, it's not me. No, you fucking lying. I don't mean to, you know, accuse you guys of being ill-informed. My but... brother came all the way from Scottsdale, Arizona, to be here tonight, and you're not going to sing for him? Fucking bullshit. Sing. You're sing. a fucking singer. You sing, and you sing good. Sing it again. Like a bird. No, I know. I just, I, I want to. You want a line of cocaine? No way, man. Yeah. Don't make this weird. He really carries this movie, I feel. I would agree. Oh, yeah. And it's surprising, too. Like, I I texted Minna about this, but, like, Jonah Hill's first build in this, despite, like, Jonah Hill being a relative unknown, and Michael Sarah was already on Arrested Development and things like that. I also thought it was nice that there was a... There weren't, like, fat jokes in this movie. No, it's, like, it's all internalized. Because, like, he thinks people are looking at him for his appearance, and, like, when he brings that up with Jules, she's like, that's not like anything that's happening so like it really is nice that like it's nothing like that and every like all of his insecurities are internalized but like right. when he tries to communicate to the world it's like very kind to him yeah uh-huh. that was a lot of homophobic language yes yeah, it's like, just incredibly <laughs> great but uh that's also any of those apatow movies in that range that's true there weren't fat jokes but there were a plethora of homophobic jokes yeah that's <laughs> right yeah, Greg Matola did a good job. He's a very good director. He's very underrated. Um, the Fletch movie last year was very good. Confess mm-hmm. Fletch. Big oh, fan of that, though. I didn't see it's that. It's really good. I think it's on Paramount Plus. I, I was a big one. fan of it. Mm-hmm. I had never seen the original. I had only seen Confess Fletch. I love Car- uh, Kevin Corrigan in the movie also. He is so funny. He's the guy, He was the... Um, the guy at the party who um, kicked out, was kicking them out. I guess it was his party. Um, yeah, in the Brazil soccer jersey. Mm. The what? 
the Brazil soccer jersey he's got on. Well, that's actually yeah. what I was going to ask you guys about is how did you guys feel about that specific venture? Because it was so weird. And like, if I thought about it too much, I was like, wait, wh- what? Like, they, huh? They just got in some random guy's car and like went to this party and now we're here and no oh, one's asking any guy. questions. Like, it was just so weird that if I thought about it too much, I was totally taken out of it. Like, how did you guys feel about... Because I, I feel like the, the rest of the movie is pretty grounded and that yeah, was like a little out there. That. Yeah, I thought that was weird. I thought that whole actual that whole part was was weird. Yeah, it's definitely the part of the movie that works the least. It's like you know they're trying to kill some time before they conclude the plot (laughs) um, in a lot of ways. But I also think like there's something true to life about that. Like I remember when I was in high school, and it would just be like random stuff you get into because there wasn't much to do, and so you kind of bump from place to place, and you end up at a party where you don't know anybody. And that's essentially what happens to them. And, like, you have to think, this movie takes place, like, pre-Uber, pre, like, taxi cab in their situation, you know? It doesn't seem like they live in a big city. So they, mm-hmm. like, don't have a lot of options for getting around. Mm-hmm. Right. It's true. That's true. And so they do, yeah. But that guy admits to them that he's on the run. And Michael Sarah is like, I don't think this is a good idea. And Jonah Hill is like, no, it's a great idea. We're doing it. And then there's never another question about it. Yeah, but they're 17-year-old guys. Like, they're idiots. You know? All right, fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) These are, like, the smartest people to ever live. They're idiot kids who just want to get alcohol. My favorite part of that scene, which I truly believe to be the thesis of the film was one extra was wearing a t-shirt that says i'm such a loser i'm cool and i immediately googled where do i find this t-shirt that's great it was perfect and i was like well there you go credits that's the movie <laughs> on this t- random guy's t-shirt well i think i think this movie is like not like they're never cool in the movie they're never cool even in the world of the movie except i think michael sarah's like one of those guys again this might just be maybe in a fan who like the whole school respects in their own way he like even when he's at the party he's able to like hang out with like his home ed friend um and things like that but like they're not like cool they just are kind of they're idiots that are at the end of high school and like you can just kind of hang out at the end of high school but like i think I think Michael Sarah is cool in that he's, like, a respectable guy, and so girls like that, you know? Like, he might not be, like, the coolest or the smoothest, but, like, he'll be nice to you, and that makes him, like, better than the rest of his peers. Because the girl who wants to be with him is, like, popular and pretty, and she likes him even though he's a nerd, and all of her friends are, like, giggly about it. They're not like, why do you want to go out with a nerd? They're like, yeah, he is great. Go for it. That might be true, but, like, every time in the first, like, 20 minutes of the film that he tries to communicate with Becca, it is awful. Like, at the end of the scene after math class, where she's, like, like he says bye, and then they're going in the same direction. And so when he decides to run in front of her instead of just, like, walking with her, he is so awkward. He can't communicate with anybody except for Seth. That's the only person that he seems to have any level of comfort in communication with. 
So, like, I think there is something, like, where, like, after he's able to open up and talk to Seth about his feelings as a friend, then he kind of seems a little more comfortable with Becca. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think there is something, yeah. too, like, that I think the Becca character kind of opens up the whole movie because, like, Seth has such a hatred towards her, and I think it's just that, like, he's afraid that she'll like him more. Uh, he'll like her more. He'll yeah. like her more. Yes, yeah, yeah. she's going to take him away from him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a real thing, you know. I mean, your best yeah. friends, and all of a sudden they start dating. It's you know, it's crushing. Mm-hmm. I remember the awkwardness of like going away to college and like being out with friends and then being like, "Oh, we're going summer semester now," and it's like, "Huh? Can be one of the last times I hang out with this person. That's weird. I've known you since second grade." You know, <laughs> like. So I get where, like, the anxiety is coming from in those things. Um, And I think it's, like, really true to life in a lot of ways, even in the ways that they're idiots. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was pretty clear watching the movie that it was about, like, emotionally unavailable. Not emotionally unavailable, but, like, um, unable to express their emotions. About characters who are unable to express their emotion written by people who are unable to express their emotions. Like, I felt that it was written by 13-year-olds who actually were experiencing this, and this is exactly how they felt in every single one of these situations. Like, it did feel very real upon so rewatch. And emotionally nuanced, yeah. Yeah. It did. Yeah. It's a lovely bromance uh, in coming of age. Yeah, I think, too, like, in conversation with, like, the great high school movies, you know, it's a lot more like John Hughesy than it is Porky's. It is, you know. Yeah. There's something very much about that. Like, there's something similar to like Ferris Bueller and stuff. And there's not like, you know, I've been listening to a lot of like I've been like binging that you must remember this uh, series about like erotic films of the '80s and the '90s. And it's not like there's just like a random sex scene in the middle of it. All the like sex and all of those things have a purpose within the film. There's no nudity for nudity's sake, you know? Uh-huh. And it's very authentic to kind of, like, the world that these guys are in, where they want these things, and it seems like the most important thing in the world to them, but then when they actually are faced with the reality, it's like, what they really care about is their bromance. What they really care about is their friendship. Yeah. Yeah. I just wish that, that Jonah Hill's character had been more in that story. I think, like, I think for me, I was so distracted by all of the horrible things that he was doing that I didn't really get that, like, he was projecting more than he was actually feeling those things. Because it is, like, from minute one. Like, the first line of the movie is about, like, what porn site he wants to sign up for and everything. Like, it is so... It's, like, a constant assault of, like, (laughs) vile things that he's spewing out that, like, I, I felt very... I felt very distracted by it. I, it was so much harder for me as a girl, I guess, to yeah, be on is. board with his character as much as I was on exactly. board for Michael Sarah's character. I agree. But then I get, you know, I guess the main, the, the, the core audience can relate to both of them or, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, I think, I think like from my perspective, I think now, like, when you look back on it, it's, like, I was probably a little too much like Jonah Hill when I was, like, 16. And now the character, like, when I was younger, that was probably who I related to. And now I, like, relate to Michael Sarah. Yes. 
Yeah, that's to me like the passing of the baton from, you know, because I see Seth and or Evan, you know, as the as one boy, man, do you know what I mean? And they're leaving yeah. the Seth character behind and he's moving into the Evan character. It's It's like... It's like Seth is the character you are, and Evan is the character you should be. You want to be. Yeah. Because, like, you even want to be, maybe. Everything about him, though, is just, like, so respectful. Even at the party and things like that, when he's actually making out with Becca, and he's like, you were so special in those things. Like, the way that, like, he's just a nice guy, seemingly. That was so yeah. sweet. Yeah. And it's like he doesn't know how to, like, talk in other ways besides like, being a respectful guy. It's, the nice nice he's really the heart of the film you know mm-hmm. mm, absolutely um did this make any of you like wish that studio comedies existed still because like seth rogan has like his own monopoly and like production company but like the boys isn't really a comedy and like hater went on to make barry and like barry is very unfunny especially the final season of barry it's a great joke but it's not a comedy and it's like yeah these people are so funny I kind of wish that we had more comedies. Especially like these high school comedies. I feel like there was, they were so popular and so common, especially in the early 2000s. And now like, they're kind of a rarity. Because there's nothing funny about being a teenager these days. <laughs> Is that why? <laughs> well, when did he switch to TV too, I feel like. Yeah. Because like, again, I feel like, I mean, not to give him, he's one of my, favorite directors maybe i'm giving him too much credit but like i was a huge judd apatow fan as a kid and like he really ushered in so many of those films like him being able to produce Superbad was a big reason why i got made and things like that um but then he switched to tv because like girls and like love are like probably the things that i think about within like the last 10 years of judd apatow's career especially girls but those aren't about high schoolers no, no, no. But I'm just thinking about, like, just the comedy studio oh. complex. Good show. When did Easy A come out? Uh, oh, I forgot about that. 2010, right? So after this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, yeah. that had a really similar vibe. I feel like there was such an era of, like, these high school comedies with this more, like, this undertone of friendship and like who your real friends are and everything. And I couldn't name one movie more recently that's like that. So maybe we did it. Maybe as a culture, we were like, we got it. Move on. <laughs> Next thing. Everything just, just switched to like streaming. Cause like, I feel like the teen stuff that I have thought about, like within the past 10 years that have really made like gone big, Things like that are like the kissing booth to all the boys I love. Those like oh Netflix, God, <laughs> right? Yeah, those like Netflix like teen driven shows, and now it's like Heartstopper, The Summer I Turned yeah. Pretty. Like those TV shows are huge now. Like it's like it, it like speaks to the larger issue of everything now. Is like that's a nice ninety pages you have to give us ten hours. It's, there are just less movies these days. Yeah. So, I also think podcasts have almost killed comedy in a way, too. How so? Because now you get, like, whatever comedian you like, you get just at your fingertips at all times. Mm. So, like, bigger, broader comedies have less commercial appeal because everybody can have their specific pace neck. Right. That's true. That's, That's interesting. True. That's why there's really... No movie stars now either, you know, because yeah. 
everything is so, uh, you know, there's no mystery. That, at least that's what it was built on in the old days, in the past days. There's a certain mystery, you know, you, you don't really know what they're about. Now, everybody, I mean, you got goddamn Johnny Depp, you know, on, you know, bringing, they just bring their shit out there. So it's, there's just really yeah, no movie people, stars. Only people who even, like, slightly classify are people who you know nothing about outside of, like, their work. Like, people like Robert Pattinson, who just has disappeared mm-hmm. since, like, he was in a very public relationship. He's not pub- public at all anymore. Margot Robbie is kind of... she. I think she qual- qualifies as, like, really a top-tier movie star at this point. But she's been able to do it by producing her own projects, having that production mm-hmm. company that mm-hmm. did Iconia, um, like, all of like those that. things. Mm-hmm. So, like... I think it's such a different system now. And I think in a lot of ways, like, because everything is so IP driven, the actors don't become famous, really, because they're paying attention to the character. They are so intertwined with a pre-existing property. Mm. So what do you guys think of this movie? Do you think that it holds up? Are you like, this movie is still relevant today? Oh, yeah. I, I think absolutely, yes. I think it still works emotionally today. It still makes you laugh today. And it still deals with issues that we, you know, we still care about. Mm-hmm. We still try to achieve, you know, losing your virginity in high school and learning to speak your truth. Yeah, I think it's a classic. Yeah, I had concerns going into it that I was like, is this movie going to feel like really problematic now? Looking back at it through like the prism of today's society and like, it has offensive language throughout it, but I don't think any of the actions within it are um, like offensive or anything like that. I think the movie has so much heart that it's mm-hmm. able to get away with a lot because the ending feels very sincere. Like Sarah's character throughout it is just very sincere. So I think it really is able to hold up really well because of the heart in it. It's very funny too, but like jokes aside, it feels like a really nice slice of life movie about a couple guys going through something that feels like the biggest thing that'll ever happen to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that, like, I could personally do without, like, Jonah Hill's character sexually harassing (laughs) Emma Stone's character the whole movie and being, like, very, like, every conversation they have, either, like, he makes a sexual comment to her or about her or he, like, imitates like sexual acts around her and like the part where i felt like wow this character really hasn't grown at all is at the very end of the movie like the last line of the movie is a jonah hills character mouthing to michael Sarah, i'm gonna fuck her i could have done without that oh i didn't uh hear that or see that i thought he was like longing me looking at his friend who he knows this is the end well he like oh, points sir. at her and like mouths it to Michael Sarah's character, and I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> yeah, he he has learned. I don't know. So I guess I could have done without that, but otherwise, I do think that the movie has a lot of heart. I do think that as far as like what Michael Sarah and McLovin, what they're going through, a lot of the communication stuff between Jonah Hill's character and Michael Sarah's character, I do think it's an important movie. I just think like that aspect of it really did not age well at all. So the wait, one which, thing which I... aspect? Wait, which which aspect? Did the the well? harassing of Emma Stone's character. All oh, right. Yeah. 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 The one thing I really <laughs> you know. <laughs> The one thing I will say about that, though, is, like, the movie knows that he's... A, you know, when he does things like that, 
the other characters look at him like he's the dumbest person to ever exist. It's not like he does things like that, and it's like, that's sick. Like, when he makes that joke where he's like, the funny thing about my back is, like, Emma Stone's character and her friend dick just, or something like that? Or, yeah. yeah. Like, what? You're a jerk. Yeah, they look at him like he's a jerk, at least, though. You know, like, they stare at him like, what is wrong with this guy? But they never like, say, you're I a think- joke. She is going out with him at the end. <laughs> She's letting him buy her makeup, though. Like, it's not like... I think she's pulling him around because she's... Yeah, I just... Look, never... Every man that watches it will probably think, yeah, he's got a shot at her. Every woman seeing the movie says she's never going to sleep with that guy. Do you you know what I mean? So, um... That's true. uh, The way I saw it is that she wanted to let her friend and, and, and the Evan character go off and, you know, and pull this jerk away from them. Yeah. And, like, she has to buy concealer for seeing your photos, and it's like... Because he punched her in the face. No, 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 I know, I know. But I'm saying, like, that's a big portion of the reason why she is with him, because it's like, okay, you're going to buy me the makeup. That was the way she, like, introduced her. Are you going to buy me concealer? And yet, to him, that is an invitation for sex. Everything is an invitation for sex. It's not going to (laughs) happen. Yeah, doesn't that, like, speak to, like, the characters, like, deeper issues and things like that, where, like, everything to him is about sex and those things, and so, like, just that hangout session means that to him, but, like, people are more complicated than that. It's not like Emma Stone's character is just going to, like, sleep with him. I know. You know, like, people have, like, especially, like, high schoolers, like, you have, like, relationships and stuff. No, I understand. I'm just saying that I would have, <laughs> I, I, I get it. I just wish that if it, like, if I was making the movie, I maybe would have ended it with, like, maybe I shouldn't view every conversation as an invitation for sex anymore instead of, like, his conclusion being punching the girl he's interested in the face and then thinking that her asking him to buy her makeup to cover up her black eye is an invitation for sex. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but, he could have learned yeah. something, but they chose not to learn anything. Do, well, what was, what was super bad too about? Well, let me ask you a question. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> Maybe he learned in super bad too. I don't, did he punch her? I thought he passed out and, and yeah. hit her with his head. Okay, yeah, yeah. So he headbutts her. In the face. I think that's an accident, or am I very wrong? No, 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 it was an no, accident. It's a complete accident. Yeah, because he was so drunk he passed out, right? I think yeah. so, yeah. Okay. He just passes out in front of her. Like, and it happens to hit her. Right. Oh, my God. Which is the way but, all emotional conversations in my life conclude. I fall oh, over yeah, and give them a black eye. Fall off. That was the end of How I Met Your Mother. It's like, well, that's how they did it. Passed out. <laughs> Oh really? That's a terrible. <laughs> that was that was my uh, pitch. I didn't get the writing job though. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice because like that way you don't have to take accountability for any of your actions or apologize or learn anything. If you if you stick the landing of a, a hard um, conversation with passing out drunk and giving someone a black eye, that's funny enough that you don't have to learn anything. Well, his whole thing was, like, he wanted he wanted them to remember him. He wanted, like, the next day for the girl to think about him. Mm-hmm. Mission, mission accomplished, champ. <laughs> yeah, well, well done, sir. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think, I think, too, yeah, I think, I think if this movie was being made today, I think the Seth character would kind of have some changes. And I think, like, um, like, the thing with him, like, at the party, when like, he gives that speech that is kind of, like, 
where his quote is, where he's being honest about his insecurities. Mm-hmm. Um, if you heard a bang, my cat just knocked something down. He likes doing that. <laughs> um, I think that that would kind of be like maybe a little earlier in the movie and stuff like that. Like, I think the staff character would get changed. But like, with that said, I, I think it's clear at the end of it that like Michael Sarah's character is about to enter a relationship and like not necessarily... But I think that, like, part of my problem with that is that, like, I didn't realize that until I was older and I saw it. Like, when I was younger, I did not see it that way at all. Yeah. And and since the movie... I mean, I guess the movie's kind of for everyone, but it's about high schoolers, so you have to make the assumption that high schoolers are watching it. I don't know if that's great, but, like... So I, I guess, like, the message isn't translating with all audience groups. Like, if you're younger and you're watching the movie, you're getting something very different out of it than if you're an adult watching it. Right. Yeah. And I think you know it works on on all those levels. I think that's I think that's why it is a successful movie. I think it's tough because when you're in high school, you're a complete idiot. It's like my <laughs> I remember like Wolf of Wall Street came out when I was like a junior in high school, and everybody was like, "This is the movie about the coolest person to ever live." <laughs> now it's like oh my god this is about the worst human being who has ever lived yeah yeah so what you're saying is <laughs> it's just like i don't necessarily like, i think there's like a small portion of high schoolers that actually have media literacy <laughs> <laughs> and so no matter what you do it's got it's gonna be tough that they're gonna misread it <laughs> so wait what you were saying is that when you were in high school you wished you had a t-shirt that says i'm such a loser i'm cool no i was like really cool in high school oh, okay so you didn't need that shirt Yeah, I didn't need that shirt. (laughs) I did. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Movies That Made Her, But Not Me. Thank you to Antonio Ortiz for composing our theme and all other music on this podcast. Be sure to follow us at Movies Made Her on Instagram and Twitter to stay up to date on episode releases, the movies we'll be covering, and all things podcast related.